Okay, I did promise that we're going to continue with uh, the symbolism of the trumpet last week. So I want to start or continue with that uh, with further emphasis of 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. Uh, but like I mentioned last week, it's obvious that when you talk about trumpet, you're talking about a message. Because we do find from the book of first, I mean, uh, Matthew 6, uh, Scripture rightly declares that when you do your arms or your deed, you don't have to blow your trumpet like the Pharisees would do. That means communicating to other people, uh, speaking to them as to what you've done, and so taking the glory to yourself. So we just simply find that prophet, I mean, uh, trumpet speaks about communication. And we also read, I think, uh, you remember, the book of Numbers, chapter number 10, we spoke about the trumpet that God asked Moses to make. Uh, and trumpets, you blow a single blast, talking about the princes coming together, double blast, talking about the elders coming together, and then fluctuating blast, meaning the camp has to begin to move. In other words, pull up tent or begin to move. So we'll find that trumpet speaks of communication. And Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 14 said the same thing, saying that uh, every sound has to be distinct. Otherwise, when you blow the trumpet and people do not understand the sound of the trumpet, they can't prepare for war. So we, uh, Paul made us understand from that right up that trumpet were meant to communicate certain things, especially when people are getting ready for action, more especially in terms of warfare. Amen? So, um, like I said, I want us to deal with First Thessalonians tonight, uh, chapter 4, in relation to the trumpet, and verse 16. We're very specific. First uh, Thessalonians, chapter 4, and verse 16. And again, I would like to remind us that First uh, Thessalonians was written between A.D. 50 and 51. Between A.D. 50 and 51. So we're talking about some... 10, 12 years or thereabouts before the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, so now, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, the Bible says, But the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, note it, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Now, I may not be able to explain all of this uh, in terms of the shouts, the voice of the archangel, and then the trump of God. But you must follow. These are elements that are put together in this particular verse of scripture. The Lord himself will descend when, first of all, with a shout, with the voice of an angel, and with the trump. So, I mean, shout, voice, trumpet. Did you get that? Three things I mentioned. It's not the same thing, but they are all uh, moving towards one thing, the descending of the Lord. But watch this. Just look at it again. It said, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. So it's not the Lord coming with a shout. Now let me explain something here. The shout... The voice of the archangel, the trump, we have to first take place before the Lord descends. 
I don't know how to explain this to you now. Uh, I tried to illustrate last week about those days when presidents or the rulers of our country were moving into place. Is that okay? Talk about the siren, talk about the military, expert riders, talk about the plane, all these things then. So when you say the Lord shall descend with, those elements have to take place, then the Lord descends. The Lord does not descend as if, I don't it's not carrying those things. Those things seems to signal his presence or announce his coming. Are you, are you getting this? Okay, let's read from other translations. Uh, NIV, for instance, I'm going to read about four translations on this. NIV says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the trump of God. That's just that. Uh, let me read from Philip translation. I like this one. He said, One word of command. One shout from the angel, one blast from the trumpet of God, and the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. Did you follow the process? Now, Philip translation is a literal translation of the Hebrew Greek, as it were. So it starts with one word of command. Okay? One shout from the archangel. One blast from the trumpet of God, and the Lord himself will do what? Will come down. That is the sequence. It is first the command, the shout, the archangel, the trumpet, then the Lord comes. So it's not as if the Lord is coming, then those things. Or, I mean, I don't know. This one gives you the better picture. All those elements will first happen, then the Lord begins to do what? Begin to show up. In other words, the herald is coming. They signal his coming. They announce his coming. Hallelujah. Okay. You know, the common understanding we have is when Jesus is crashing from the sky and then the trumpet will begin to sound and things like that, whatever. However, let me read another one again. This is the New English Bible. It says, because of the word of command, and I also want you to know that, at the sound of the archangel's voice, and God's trumpet call, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Did you get that? Because of the command of God, or the command of, uh, the word of command, at the sound of the archangel's voice, and God's trumpet call. Now, what you to get that? God's trumpet call. What does that mean? God is calling forth a people. It is as the call goes forth that the Lord finally do what? Comes down. Remember what we read in Matthew 24? The Bible says God is going to send forth his angel to sound a great trumpet. Remember that? To gather his what? Elect. So the sound is to call forth the people. It is not the sound coming with him. The sound calls for his people, then he shows up. following this? I want the if I may have to say that is, the sun is calling him forth in your life. Because that is where he is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the sound you hear raises Christ from within. It's more crashing from the sky. Because remember what we read last week? 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. And again, on Sunday, Colossians 3. For Christ himself is what? Is our life. And when Christ with our life shall do what? Appear. Then shall you appear with him what? In glory. Now it takes the sound to wake you up and to cause him to do what? To arise from within you. So it's not something floating from the sky. It's not talking about that. All right. Let's move on. And there's something I will need to make you see. Let me see it from another translation. It's called the Beck translation. The Beck translation. B-E-C-K. When the order is given, that's why I wanted you to know the word combined. When the order is given, and I want, I, want to, I want you to know that because you see, orders can only be given to a people who are trained to understand what order is. Orders can only be given to a military equipped people. You don't give orders to civilians, do you? <laughs> Praise the living God. When the order is given and the archangel calls, and God's trumpet sounds, the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Follow the sequence. When the order is given, let me show you something. I mentioned that briefly last week. In the early times, we have these people who stays as the watchtower, what they call the watchtower in ancient cities. It's like today when you're building your houses, sometimes you see the security posts a little bit high up, okay? And sometimes you put searchlights. Are you getting that? Good. So the watchtower is a place that where people sit to watch over the city, around the wall of the city. If enemies are encroaching, there will be the people to give signal that enemy is what? Is coming. Now when they give that signal to the people, the Lord himself, I mean the king himself, will give order for the military people to do what? To get prepared and then move into battle. And a good picture about that is it takes the king to lead the people to war. Because I'm going to explain something. The person that is coming down is not Jesus Christ, it's the Lord. <laughs> Are you getting this? I'll explain that. But let me just go there a little bit. The word shout. Okay, it's from the Greek word keleoma. Keleoma, which means a cry of incitement, to incite by words. That is order, to bid, uh, to command or commandment, to urge. So it's like saying, trouble is coming, and they say, hey, you people, get ready for war. Did you get that? Remember what Paul said? If the trumpet sound or a certain sound is given, how can the people prepare for war? So this, the shout here is a command. Hey, you city, get ready. Are you getting that? Okay. So we know that it's a command. That is to say it is a war cry. Those are the watchtower, as the case may be, have signaled that the enemy is coming. Then the captain or the general in the army gives a command and the people are ready now for what? For war. That is what he's talking about. All of these elements you see him are targeted towards the people of God. It's not something you find up in the sky. It was an address to those that God have recruited who are the armies of the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
So like I'm saying, a command can only be given to those who have been so recruited and trained. You don't, you see, if you go to the barracks and a bingo is Sunday, you know what happens. Even if the men are sleeping with their wives, they will jump out. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Fine. Because they are trained to understand that this kind of bingo that is Sunday means there is trouble. But the civilian could still be snoring. So when we talk about the command, the command can only be given to those who are trained, who understood the sound of the trumpet at a particular time. Hallelujah. It's a language that people specifically can understand who have been so trained. It's not meant for everybody. Therefore, the shout or command of the archangel is not meant for the whole world, even as the church has commonly made us to believe. It's not meant for the whole world. Because they don't understand the language of God. They don't understand the tunes. Tell me, if other nations were staying around Israel, when Moses asked that the trumpet be constructed, any time the trumpet sounds, those people who are heathen, who were not Jewish people, cannot respond. Does that make sense? Good, because they don't understand it. So the sound is for you, it's not for the world. The trumpet is for you, it's not for the world because they can't understand what the trumpet stands for. They don't have the language of God, they don't know the language of God, they have not been trained for that. That's what the Bible is telling us. Are you there with me? So, at the trumpet of God, the voice of the archangel will call out the command that the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. That's the way it is in the, the Jerusalem Bible. Look at the word this. At the trumpet of God, the voice of the archangel will call out the command. And the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And like I was trying to say, all these elements you see in terms of what you call trumpets and uh, maybe clouds, whatever, they are symbolic elements that are meant for the theophanic manifestation of God. I'm going to make you see that from the book of Exodus, but let's just move on just a little bit. So here we find that what Paul is saying here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is actually declaring that a kind of war is coming and those who have been trained to understand the language of God will be able to understand and respond accordingly. Amen? It has to do with an event that was to take place. That's what I have to make you understand. If you remember, Paul writing to Thessalonians said the same thing. So remember, that day will not take you what? as a thief. He said, because you are the children of the day and not of the night. Now, if you understand that, he tells you something, that he was talking about the trouble that was going to come, specifically around the AD 70. I mentioned to you how many Christians, I mean, Jewish people were killed at a particular time. Remember, I was even trying to share with my wife, you know, because accidentally we got back home that same day and there was this clip that just came up on the TV one of these Christian programs, and we're seeing the Jews, the Jewish people, being killed in the concentration camp by Hitler. You just, you, you literally, it's like you have to cry when you see this thing. And she was asking me, so what happened to these people? Because then, it is 70 years past. Sure, you know what? When they wanted to crucify Jesus, Pilate said, hey, watch this. This man's blood, I wash my hand off it. He's innocent. What was the prayer of the Jews? Let his blood be on us and upon our children. And the blood really came in AD 70 to General Titus. I remember I told you, Titus had to, because his brother also was doing a bad day, slaughter how many people? 2,000 
500 Jewish people just to celebrate his, his, his brother's birthday. Because he asked for the blood. Remember, in Matthew 23, Jesus said the same thing. Yea, that kid, the prophet, that I sent unto you. How many of you remember that? Say, you Pharisees, your father's kid, the prophet, and you prefer the tomb. He said, the blood of Abel down to that of Zechariah shall be upon your head. Are you getting this? Hallelujah. So here Paul is speaking about the upcoming events that were totally going to occur at that particular time. And God was just preparing them, getting them to be alert, making the whole people there who have come to believe, who understood the language of God, the believers, to be alert of what was going to come. It was like a battle between God and the unbelieving world. Amen? Hallelujah. And that will find to be one of the major issues between the Romans and the Jewish people when the temple was destroyed and all of that. So, basically, there was a trumpet that sounded at that time in about 2,000 years ago. Only those who understood this language understood where the trumpet sounded. And those who were prepared, they were able to escape the destruction and the damnation that came through the Jewish invasions. I mean, the Roman invasions. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Even so, today, basically, we are living on a victorious side of the sound of that trumpet. Because one thing, outside of the literal thing that went on, the trumpet also sounded has to do with Christ himself being crucified and the powers of the enemy being what? Destroyed. It was a war. Praise the living God. So trumpet is not something you're looking for up in the sky. That's deception. You're not looking for anything up to fly down. Jesus crashing through the cloud and then see literally seven trumpets. Now let's get down to the book of Revelation because we talk about seven trumpets. Get down. Revelation chapter 8. This is where they give us the picture of some of the things you see in your calendar in the houses, in the charts. You see all of these there. Revelation chapter 8. Let's look at verse number 1 and 2. Praise God. Look at what it says. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of an hour now. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Is that okay? Now, if you read down the, the story, we are made to understand that each of the trumpets opened a particular seal. Now, I'm not going to be dealing with that, because the key thing is, we're dealing with one particular trumpet here that is connected to 1 Corinthians 15, which talks about, the last trump, and that last trump is the same thing as the trumpet of the Lord. Is that alright? The last trump of 1 Corinthians 15 is the same thing as 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse number 16. And then in these seven angels that were to blow the trumpet, there was also a last trump. So, let's get down to um, Revelation 10. Just move down to Revelation 10. So like I'm saying, each of the seals or each of the trumpet was a message. Is that okay? A seventh message or whatever. Okay, go to Revelation 10 verse number 7. When you come here, this is what you're going to read. In the days of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, or begin to sound, the mystery of God should be what? Finished as he had declared to his servants, the prophets. 
It means the last message we unveil or finish the mystery of God. Alright? What is the mystery of God? Two things you can see, if you will. Number one, the Gentiles coming into the fold who were not having the opportunity to come in. But above all, is Christ in you the hope of glory? He said, when the last message sounds, the mystery of God, which is Christ in you, is going to be made manifest. It's revealed. Hallelujah. Amen? Now, I want to show you something here which is very important. As you read that, he said, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, in the days doesn't mean one day. Did you notice that? In the days of the seventh angel. So, it's a period of time. And so, but yet, men think it has to be just one day. And everything begins to happen. That's not what the Bible says. Amen? In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he began to send, to me, it shows that there's the beginning of many days of sounding that particular trumpet. In other words, the sounding of the trumpet, which is the last message, because it's the seventh angel, and seven speaks of perfection. So we're talking of the perfect message. When it begins to sound, it's going to cover a period of time. Hallelujah. Follow what happens. This trumpet is associated with the mystery of God being what? Revealed. If something is revealed, it means it was covered before. But this last message reveals that which was covered before. Hallelujah. Now let me show you how this works. From the Old Testament. Go to Exodus 19. So that you can understand what is happening here. The court takes up a people to his presence. Exodus 19, let's begin to look at verse 14. Praise the Lord. Are you done with me? Exodus 19, verse 14. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. This one brought them to Mount Sinai. Okay? And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and thick clouds upon the mountain and the voice of what? The trumpet exceedingly loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the near the part of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was altogether on the smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of his furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. 
And when the voice of the trumpet sounded what? Long. And waxed louder and louder. Moses spake. And God answered him by where? By voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the mount. I mean, top of the mount. And Moses did what? Went up. Did you notice something there? The trumpet call came. People began to kind of ascend. And it became louder and louder. And then God spoke. And then the father came down. Are you following what I'm talking about? So the trumpet brings him down. But first, it prepares the people to meet with God. Did you get that? So it's a call by God. And this last one reveals him. When you begin to hear the sound of this trumpet, God's life is being quickened within you. There is a descending. You know, people get confused when we talk about God descending. When the Bible says God descended, who saw God on a physical level? But the Bible said there was thundering and lightning and earthquake. And these are theophanic elements that signal the presence of who? Of God in the Old Testament. God descended. <laughs> I used to say this. In Ephesians 4 11, the Bible says, it talks about five old ministry, but before then, reading from uh, maybe verse 4 down as well, it talks about he that descended, is he also that did what? Ascended. Question How did Jesus descend? Because we saw him ascended, we can say, okay, he ascended on the Mount of Olives. Is that okay? Because some people watch him. So, but how did he descend? Because he that descended, he see also that it was ascended. So, where did he descend from? The glory overshadowed Mary. And the word simply said, that thing that shall be in you shall be the core word, the Son of God. So, when the glory came on Mary, the Lord descended. Does that make sense? So when you're talking about the Lord descending, people are looking up into the sky and think he's going to float down from the sky. He comes in his glory. Look at what we read here. When the trumpet began to sound and the voice came and Moses spoke, what happened? The Bible said God did what? Descended. So when God descended, what happened? A cloud overshadowed my Sinai. And out of that cloud, the voice spoke. People heard God out of that voice. Same thing you find in Matthew chapter 17. Remember that? When these three guys were kind of sleeping or whatever, the Bible said what? The glory did what? Descended. And out of that cloud of glory, the voice came. This is my beloved son. Do what? Hear ye him. Out of that cloud. That is how God moves. So what am I trying to make you understand? The trumpet sound prepares you to reveal God. There is a descending that takes place. And the good picture about it is, as he descends, you are ascending. Because you see, he was coming down, the people were going up the mountain. Isn't it? When the trumpet was sounding, Moses went up. And the Lord came down, and from that place, they heard the voice of God. So the trumpet gets you closer to God. It's not something to be expected. 
It has to do with a message that brings perfection to the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about religious perfection. I'm talking about the finishing of God's life in your life. To me, the trumpet brings actually the Feast of Tabernacle. There's a revelation of God's life that takes place within you as you begin to hear the sound of the trumpet of God. Hallelujah. Oh. See, the Bible says the trumpet was sounding louder and louder. So there's an, an increase. And you know why? Because more people are catching the message and more people are declaring the message. It's becoming a volume. It's no longer just one man blowing a trumpet. This is a trumpet that's going to come out of the very manifested sons of God. Many member body of Christ. Not one man saying what I'm saying now. It's going to be a word that everybody will be speaking all over the place. I'm so glad in the last meeting that took place in South Africa just I think early this month. When they have the Open Heaven Conference. Brother Kobus was there to speak was declaring immortality. And people begin to send questions to me. Pastor David, what do you have to say about immortality? Several emails were just coming. What have you got to say? What have you got to say? And that's how to make some posts on Facebook so that they can get my mind about immortality. It's a message of the now. Let me tell you something. When Peter said, it is good for us to be here, what do you think he wanted? He wanted the same glory that was in Peter at that moment. That was in Christ, rather, at that moment. Is that, is that okay? But if you read the scripture, Jesus said, not knowing what he said. Why did he say so? Because the time for that thing had not come. He saw it and he wanted to structure it. I believe in immortality, but I don't know when. Because, listen, Jesus was promised, and the Bible says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. And it was Isaiah that said that, a son shall be born, the government shall be upon his shoulder. How many of you remember that? When the fullness of time was come, that thing that Isaiah said was made manifest. Go to the book of Acts, the Bible says, when the fullness of time of Pentecost was come, or when the fullness of Pentecost fully come, the glory came down. So there is a fullness of time for the revelation of the Feast of Tabernacle. That is what I don't know. But I know it's real. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if you look at the whole picture on the Mount of Transfiguration, that tells you something very clearly. Number one, Moses was there. Represented the law. Elijah was there. Represented what? The prophets. And these two people represent dimensions of beliefs. To the Jewish people, Moses had to resurrect. Because to them he died. So the Jews believe in resurrection. The Greeks believe in reincarnation. And so people read the Bible and they say, John reincarnated Elijah. So the Greeks believe in reincarnation. Now watch what happened. Here the Lord is saying... This is my beloved son. You know the word? You want to think about resurrection? Forget about it. I'm not interested. You want to think about reincarnation? It's past and gone. My interest now is immortality. Because that is what Jesus represented. Yeah. 
And the Bible simply said, Christ brought life and what? Immortality to life through what? Through the gospel. So he said, forget about resurrection. Forget about reincarnation. Believe my son. So it represents three dimensions of beliefs in the world. Jewish belief, the Greeks belief, and what we should have, what as called Christian belief. And what's that supposed to mean? Immortality. I believe in it. But when and how is what I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so the Bible is saying here, when the sun begins to sound. Remember, if you go to Matthew 24, we said the same thing last week, and you look at verse 31, the Bible says, God is going to send for his angels with a great sound. When something is great, that means God's volume. So, right there in Exodus, I say it was sounding louder and louder. Great volume. Because more people are going to be saying the same thing. So what I'm saying now, I may be just one man in this environment, but more people will come into it, and more people will declare it, and I believe the more we declare it, the more we bring the Lord down. Praise the living God. One thing you need to understand is this. The first man that started declaring about the kingdom of God is here, repent here, was supposed to be John the Baptist. Is that okay? All right. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus came. Now is the kingdom. The message changed with Jesus. Believe your word, the gospel. And as he began to say that, from him, he became 12. From 12, he became 70. From 70, he became 500. How many of you understand that? It was growing. The very message that one son of God began to proclaim went into 12 people. From the 12, went into 70. From 70 to 500. And then how many people? As many. And even you now. What he declared then, 2,000 years ago, is what they are now doing what? Declaring all over the world. So there's a multiplication of the voice of the Son of God. That is how the sound begins to go. Is that okay? Hallelujah. So like I said, when you talk about things like trumpets and sounds and clouds, all of these are traditional signs that accompany the manifestation of God. Let me give you an example of that. Exodus 13. So, they were simply adopted as conventional elements of apocalyptic literature, uh, like we find in Matthew 12. But look, Exodus 13, uh, what do you find there? Just take a look, read it for yourself, and you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. Talks about uh, lightning, talks about cloud. Did you find it there? Hallelujah. Exodus 13, read uh, 22, rather. Read 22, and then... Uh, Mighty 24, look at verse 20. We're going to be seeing things like cloud, fire, thunder. Did you see all those things there? Amen? Good. Those are the things that are accompanying the move of God. Anytime God is moving in the book, these are the things you see. Be mentioned. You begin to hear clouds. You begin to hear uh, fire. You begin to see thunders. You begin to see earthquakes and things like that. Praise the living God. Amen. And then if you want to, you can also check uh, uh, what I have to say. Because I need to finish this. We've got about a few minutes more. You can also write a second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse number 8. Write it down. You see fire there. see vengeance and all of that. Which you're also going to see. But let me look at the aspect of it. Then the Lord himself will come down. Praise the living God. How many of you remember 
The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 36, say that Jesus, whom you crucified, the Lord has made both Lord, I mean God has made both Lord and Christ. Do you understand that? It's not Jesus that is coming down. It's the Lord himself. You need to understand that. What's the difference? Jesus means he was sent to take away the sins of his people. He's a savior to save his people. But when it comes to the place of Lord, he becomes the lordship of your life. All enemies shall be under the feet of the lordship of Jesus. The Bible says, men will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. When you begin to confess the lordship of Christ, you are saying he now rules and reigns over your life as what? As a king. So we are talking about the lordship of Christ being made manifest to the sounding of the last trumpet over a people that have been redeemed. Amen? I want you to understand what I'm sharing because to me it's very important. Listen, can I tell you something here? You know, people often say it is finished. And you hear people talk about it is finished and... Um, you even talk about, we have camps that says, we're working towards the finishing or whatever. You know, they keep on talking about the finish. Have you had things like that before? Question, what is finished? Because Jesus said, John 19, it is finished. What is finished? <laughs> what was finished, permit me to use the word, was the sacrificial order ordained by Moses that Jesus represented. But the work of redemption is not finished. Your salvation, fine, is guaranteed, is finished, but redemption continues. Romans 5.10 says, if he has to save us, reconcile us who were enemies of God, he will save us, he shall save us by what? His life. Why shall, if it is finished, style is future. Shall is something that continues. Shall is something that's about to happen. Shall is not finished. Does that make sense? And that is where your physical body shall be what? Redeemed. Your salvation, yes, is finished on the cross. No more sacrifices. You've got a savior in Jesus. But your redemption is in the process. So redemption is not finished. But salvation is finished. So when he says it is finished, understand he came to be offered as a sacrifice. And that was done on the cross. But then the process of redemption begins. Because you must be saved, spirit, soul, and body. Romans 8 telling us something there. He said, if we have this hope, then we must patient do what? Wait for it. What hope are we talking about? The redemption of our bodies. I cherish that, I long for it, I believe in it, I'm hoping for it, I'm waiting for it. This is not the body that God wants us to walk on this earth with. We need a glorified body. The sounding of the trumpet, we are woken, the Jesus Christ that is on your inside, 
There's going to be a descending of his glory. Watch this. The Bible says, if this our mortal body be dissolved, we have a house from heaven. Hallelujah. So here we see Jesus coming as Lord. It's like talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Law. Revelation 19, verse 16. Is that okay? He doesn't just come to save here. He comes to subdue all things unto him as the Lord. Galatians Philippians 3, verse 21. He comes to fully establish his flood over all realms of creation. In heaven and earth. And underneath the earth. Because the Bible says, "Out the name of Jesus, all knees must bow, and all tongues must confess that Jesus is what Lord, to the glory of the Father." So when Jesus' lordship is established, all enemies are subdued under Him. He's coming to conquer. The trumpet brings Him down. The trumpet reveals Him, even on your inside. As you are listening, the more you get into this understanding, the more life you receive and reveal, which is life of God. And that is why you need to feed your inner man. I pray some of you being in service on Sunday, I'm still going to continue with the glory on the other side. One of the ways you can really bear the seed that will give you a glorified body even on the other side is how much you feed your inner man. The Bible says, this earthly body, even though this outer man is perishing, the inner man is what be what? Renewed. The only way you can renew your inner man is to study the world. Some of you don't have time for your book. And I mean the Bible. Praise the living God. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? So the trumpet is not something that is coming tomorrow. The trumpet is already what? Sounding. You don't have to wait for it. And it's not as if it's going to float. It's a preparation for the revealing and not the revealing of the Christ that is within you. So then you can really have Colossians 3 verse 3. So that when Christ, which is our life, shall be revealed, then shall we appear with him in glory. Meaning, we get glorified. Watch this. To those he called, he justified. To whom he justified, he glorified. Are you getting that? So we're looking at a glorification of our mortal bodies. We are looking at Christ being manifested in every aspect of our lives. We are coming to the place where you truly become the oracles of God. We are talking about you becoming true witnesses on the face of the earth. That when men sees you, they will see the Christ. Don't you always forget. John chapter 12, we read up before. Some time passed. Nathaniel came to Jesus and said, they want to see you. And Jesus said, if a corn of food remains, I'll buy it alone. But it falls to the ground and die. What happened? It brings forth much fruit. In other words, Philip, I've stayed too long with you. And you know what he said that? He said, now the Son of Man shall be what? Glorified. For the glorification. He's going to drop this mortal body, take up another body by resurrection. Is that all right? And then multiply himself into every of the disciples. What he simply meant to tell Philip is, listen to me. By the time I get to the cross and I distribute myself on each and every one of you, anytime who is looking for me, show him yourself. Don't point people to me. Don't bring them anywhere. You reveal yourself to him because I'm going to reveal myself through you. You becoming my fruit. 
I'm just one seed, but I have to be a fruit in your lives. That's what Jesus was saying. But we're still waiting for one man. But his cry is to have more fruit upon the face of the earth. In the true sense of it, you are the fruit that Jesus has already started bearing when he went to the cross. Because he brought his life into your life. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Thank you.